Ireland, via Germany, via Scandinavia, via India, and now via Hilliard. It's Rick Venata. And Rick, do you got some goods for us today? We're going to try. <laughs> All right. All right. Good morning. Is this on? Check mic. Yeah. There's the ring. <laughs> if you hear a ring, you know our quality sound system is on. Okay. So, hey, um, I'm going to talk to you guys today um, about something that's very real uh, to my life and something that I've been experiencing uh, over the last uh, several years. And, uh, but I'm also going to include it in missional community because uh, the things I've been talking about uh, over the last couple times I've been speaking up here is about being missional in our community. Uh, reaching people in third places, and third places are anywhere outside of this church building. It could be our work, the bar that we hang out and watch football games at, wherever we are that we're intermingling with people. That is the place that we are to be missional. With our fam- that includes our family. You know, we, we don't want to just leave them to the wayside, but it's our family, friends, uh, relatives, anyone. Okay, so this is what I want to present to to you guys today, and what I've come to struggle with over the last few years. Can God use us? Can God use us missionally if we're anxious, if we're experiencing anxiety, if we're full of fear, and if we're bombarded by all of the issues around us? And what I mean by being bombarded—I can't say that. What I mean by all the issues that surround us is, is that we're all different personalities. And I have this personality that if I'm on Facebook and I see my friends going through this and one friend's going through this and they're talking about this issue and that issue, I have a hard time of not feeling something for each of those issues. And what I start to realize is that I can only uh, hear so much and still be affected because then what it becomes is it's just all these bombs of information and I realize that instead of being effective and being, being able to reach people, I'm just getting stressed about it because I'm hearing more than I think I'm designed to hear. And so I want to kind of try and answer that today as we... I go through and look at some text, look at some facts, and I'm going to share some personal stories of my life and how God has used me as over these last couple years I've been going through wrestling with anxiety, you know, or uh, wrestling with uh, fear and things like that. And we all have different uh, personalities. My personality allows me to go through uh, fear and anxiety and still be in front of people. And so sometimes people go, oh, that guy doesn't have fear or anxiety or he doesn't have uh, social anxiety about certain things because he's out there joking and laughing with everyone. But that's just, that's just me. I'm going to be out. Some people withdraw. It's all different. So I'm going to be talking about this more about myself because I feel like I know more about myself going through this. And then you're just going to have to ask God how you identify 
with this topic as we go through it. So I just wanted to give you a few stats here too. Um, anxiety disorders affect 40 million adults in the United States in the United States age 18 and older. So that's about 18.1% of the population every year. GAD, which is general anxiety disorder, affects about 6.8 million adults. So that's about 3.1% of the US population. Yet only 43.2% are receiving treatment. And it says that women are twice as likely to be affected by this one than men. Social anxiety disorder, uh, SAD, is, I love those, and I'm not an acronym person, but I know our acronym people will be right on this. Uh, SAD is equally common among men and women and typically begins around the age 13. 36% of people with social anxiety disorder report experiencing symptoms for 10 or more years before they seek help. And we know that there's people sitting in this room that have social anxiety. And I know there's people in here that they are not talking to anyone about it because of the stereotypes. And also, there's a lot of pastors, and I think they're starting to come out about this, that are really affected with social anxiety, with general anxiety, because there's so much that they're trying to take care of that they just get overwhelmed. And so therefore, they end up uh, wrestling with some of these different um, anxieties. So I want to look at a text uh, in the Bible that helps me and it helps a lot of people. And that was a letter, uh, Philippians 4, 6 through 9. It's a letter uh, from Paul to the Philippian church. And uh, he's in jail. So what a great place of peace to write a letter of encouragement to people, right? Because we know that jail is just this country club where we hang out. So he's in this jail, and he's encouraging people in their faith, and he's instructing them on where their joy comes from. It says, Do not worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely, what is admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then, God, then the God of peace will be with you. You know, if you're a person that ever wrestles with being anxious, if you're a person that experiences anxiety, if you're a person that has fear, you're just stressed out because you're tired, uh, you're stressed out because of all these issues that are going on around us, and I don't even need to list all the issues. Just go on Facebook and you'll see them all there. And on Facebook, you're going to see all the, different all the different opinions that we just in this church have about 
all those different issues. And it's, it's fun, you know? Not actually, for me, I have to, I, I find myself, I have to remove myself from it. I can't, I don't handle it well. Um, and I'll get to that later. Um, but some people can live there and minister there. Um, but it's not, that's just a place for me to go get some information and uh, get off. And so to each their own. But the key in this text that helps me at times is that when I'm experiencing anxiety, when I'm experiencing stress, I really do have to ask myself, what is true? And a few years ago, so I'm much better than where I am now. A few years ago, when I started to get anxiety, my chest would just tighten up like crazy. And, you know, I think I'm having the big one, right? And I would go to the hospital, and they'd check me out, and eventually I became the crazy guy that would come to the hospital after church on Sunday. No. But, you know, I, I would, my chest would tighten up, everything would get tight, I'd get numbness and all this stuff, and it was just, you know, you know, I didn't realize it until after I went to the hospital a couple times thinking something's going on, that one of them said, I think you're having anxiety. And I wasn't trusting in what is good. I wasn't trusting in what is true. I was rushing to, oh, I'm having a heart attack. Oh, I'm having this. I'm having that. And I was, you know, I wasn't putting my hope in him. I wasn't praying. I was just going off of what my body said. Now, I'm not saying we don't need to listen to our body. Because, hey, if your heart's going and you start feeling weakness and you're getting numb, it's better to go get checked than just say, well, Rick said, it's just anxiety. It's fine. I'm not. I'm just talking about my personal experience and what I learned after paying thousands of dollars to the hospital that, you know, it's anxiety. Okay? And there's many people here that sat with me in the emergency rooms at times, but this, it's just, there's so much in here is that we need to, when we're experiencing this, all this that's going on around us, we can look at this and fix our eyes on the Word of God. We need to pray, and we need to trust what the Word says. Because sometimes we just pray, but we don't see what the Word says, and we're saying, God, give us an answer. And right here, he's in this Word, He's given us an answer. Trust in things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, lovely, things that are excellent, you know, and then he promises that that peace will come. Now, that peace will come, we, then we could argue about that, you know, the here and not yet, you know, and when it's going to be here, and when it's going to get here, and when we're going to have it, blah, 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 but that's another, another talk. So, like I said, this is kind of, this morning, going to be, I think, more of a of a, a testimony uh, type teaching, because I really want to share, I think it was best to share about this from my experience. And so I want to share a few things with you uh, coming up here, and I want to read a scripture uh, first. Second uh, Corinthians uh, 12.9, uh, it's where uh, Paul is talking about the thorn in the flesh, and he uh, keeps, he's he repeatedly, sometimes I can't say words, but I'm, I'm having a little stress right now if you guys don't get this. Um, sometimes, well, he was asking God, please take 
this thorn from my flesh. We don't know what it was. People argue if it was some type of sickness or blindness or whatever it was that was going on. We don't really know what it was. But this is the answer that Paul got from God. And it says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast. So now Paul is saying, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. So these things that I'm sharing with you, I'm sharing with you stories of where God has worked through me during my weakness. When I didn't want to do anything but just focus on me in my weakness or when I was stressed or something, this is what God did. So I'll give you a couple examples. And all of these are within the last couple weeks. Because remember, we're trying to uh, live missionally. I'm trying to look for uh, who are the people that I'm to reach, who are the people that I'm to bless, who are the people I'm to love when I'm out in the community, when I'm driving the school bus, when I'm doing these other things, who are these people around me that I'm to minister to? So I was having a contractor uh, come to my house. And uh, this contractor that was coming to my house was coming to do some warranty work. Okay, And uh, so he calls me and he says, hey, I need to reschedule with you. And I just gently said back to him, I was like, Hey, dude, this is like the third time, you know, you've rescheduled with me. You know, I've got places to be, too, and, you know, I think you need to come. And I will tell you, he's a Christian, and he knows that I'm a pastor. And so I feel like, oh, he's just trying to take advantage of of a pastor because he's like, oh, he doesn't have anything to do. He just sits at the church all week and then acts like he's doing stuff on Sunday morning, like, you know, straining things, whatever. But, you know, so that's what I'm thinking and then he's thinking, oh, he's just trying to get something out of nothing from me. And uh, so anyways, this little thing kind of goes off and, you know, he starts getting really mad. And he's like, dude, don't lecture me. Don't tell me what to do. You know, I, if I'm telling you I need to reschedule, it's something important. And I'm going, but yeah, this is the third time, you know. And so then he goes, fine, I'll be there. And I go, okay, I'll see you there. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's coming. So I come to staff meeting, and I tell John uh, in staff meeting, I said, you know, I just had this interaction with this contractor, but I feel like there's something more. Because God was speaking to me like, why did it, you know, go from a 1 to a 10 so quickly? So after staff meeting, I went home, and I just sat on my couch, and I just prayed, Lord, give me the right attitude. Because the attitude I want to have is, I'm angry. This is, he's been making me wait. He's been putting me off. I'm going to you know, direct him what to do, and he's going to get the work done. Well, anyways, he opens up the door, and I just said right away when he opened the door, I said, hey, I just want to apologize to you if there's anything in that conversation that I said that triggered you. And you just saw this wall come down, and he said, you know, I've been really wrestling with doing work for Christians. Because as a contractor, I feel like they've been trying to take advantage of me, and blah, blah, blah. Now, let me say this. The important thing is, when you're trying to reach people, it's more important for us to listen to them and hear what their hurt and pain is 
for me then to say to him, well, you know, I hear what you're saying, but actually this is probably closer to the truth because that's not going to get me anywhere. So I just listened to what he said, and I heard what he was saying. I said, you know what, I can see how that can happen. I can see how you could be hurt by it. And he called it the Dave Ramsey people, which I know Dave Ramsey doesn't teach you to get a hundred bids before, you know, you, get, you hire a contractor. But anyways, so he's doing the work, and I just noticed that he is doing a quality job. I think he's doing more than he should be doing. And I felt God tell me that even though he was coming out for service work, to pay him. And of course, I argued with God a little bit on the price, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't want to give him too much, but I want to give him the right amount, you know. And so I went with my amount, and so I wrote him at the end of all the service. I was talking again, and I said, dude, I want to pay you uh, for you coming out here today. He says, no, you don't have to do this. This was service work. I apologize to you. We're good. And I said, no, God told me to do it. I'm going to do it. And he said, I think this is an avenue for me to start to work on forgiving Christians and for the way I feel about Christians. And you know what? That's one of the ways that he wants to use us. So even in my anger, in my stress, I surrendered it to him, and he used it for good. And so now I'm praying about giving him a call so that we could go deeper. You know, maybe, maybe take this conversation uh, deeper. Another thing, uh, we're bombarded with so many issues. There's so much stuff going on around us with whether you should kneel, not kneel, uh, what lives matter, you know, who's important, all these different things, you know, uh, police, everything. There's just, there's so much going on around us that sometimes we just get in ourselves. And then there's our own concerns. We've got our own bills to pay. We've got our own family to take care of. Well, this week, and all, the, all these stories are within two weeks, okay, of each other. Um, I got called in early to come back and transport a kid in the, West, in the school district that uh, had gotten in some trouble. And he, they didn't tell me this, but he had an ankle bracelet. He'd, he'd gotten in enough trouble that he has an ankle bracelet. And uh, I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of details because, you know. But anyways, he had an ankle bracelet. And what I think, I, I use this story to say that when I saw the kid, I could have went and started to think about all these other issues and start attaching those issues to this young man. But I felt like God wanted me to just be as present to this young man as I could be. Not to worry about these other things, not to think about what he did, whether he was right or wrong. I wasn't there. I don't know. I can't change that situation. And so anyways, when he's on the bus, his beeper starts going off. And that means he needs to be home. Because he didn't charge his battery, his beeper was going to go off. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, dude, don't worry, we're going to do this. So I'm getting on the radio, I'm like, hey, we got this situation, I need to talk to the resource officer, you know, and I'm like, because I felt like God just said, serve this kid and help him feel okay where he's at. So I'm trying to do this, and this kid is freaking out. I mean, 
He's this young guy, like he's holding his head. He's like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, I'm in more trouble. I'm already in enough trouble. And uh, so eventually the resource officer just said, well, you got to get him home. And so we're driving. And, you know, I said, I'll drive as fast as I'm allowed to drive and get you there as safely, as quickly. I'll drive you. We'll get that bus right up in by your door. And so we drive and, you know, Cleveland Avenue is a wreck. And so we're flying as fast as I can possibly in a good way. And, uh, you know, and so I get the kid there and uh, I just said, dude, everything is going to be okay. And now he walked out to the bus very slow, but this trip to his house, that kid was moving. So he gets in the house and, you know, we just leave it at that. And I said, I, I felt like, okay, I did my part. Instead of being consumed with me, and worrying about where he was at and what was going on and bombarded by all this stuff, I'm going to lay that aside and move over and be present to him. The cool thing is, is the next day, I get the call to transport him again. And so we got to talk a little bit more. And, you know, was everything okay? And so I'm hoping that, you know, they'll only do this for a few weeks before they put him in different transportation. But I'm hoping that you know, I'll be able to speak to him as much as I can in the public school system and reassure him, you know. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I've been, in the last couple months, I've done three funerals. I've done two funerals uh, for my aunt, and I just did a funeral uh, last week for someone that I had no clue who they were. Um, but before my aunt's funeral, this last funeral I did, um, I was getting my anxiety, and I was getting the anxiety where my chest just feels like it's going to explode. It's tight as can be. I'm just feeling this pressure. You know, I don't know what all is causing it, but um, I'm standing there, and so my dad comes over, and uh, he prays for me, uh, just to calm down. You know, some of it's like, this is the, well, that was the second time of, like, doing a funeral for your family. One, that's, that makes it a little bit harder. And then, you know, two, I just, there's, sometimes I just, anxiety hits. I don't want it, but it just comes. And so it shows up, uh, my tight as, my chest is as tight as it can be. Now, by now, I know it's not, you know, my heart, so I'm not, what was the old Rhett Fox? Was it Rhett Fox? Oh, it's a big one, you know? I'm not, isn't that what it was? But, uh, you know, so I'm not doing that anymore. I just know, okay, this is going to be gone. And so it's kind of like Paul where I'm just saying, God, would you take this from me? But what I normally find is, like, it doesn't go away until I start walking in what he wants me to do, you know? Um, and that's not true all the time. And I'm still praying for it to be totally gone. And I have a lot of victory in it. But anyway, so I'm at this funeral, and I've got my Bible out, you know. I bring the big one so that they know that I bring authority. And uh, I'm trying everything I can to make it look like I know what I'm doing and, you know, play the part. Especially as a vineyard guy, actually, one of my aunts said to me, she noticed that I had on the same slacks and shirt and tie, and she's like, yeah, you're a vineyard preacher, aren't you? I was like, yeah. Why would I have more than one set of slacks? You know? I only wear them for funerals. 
and maybe a wedding. But uh, yeah, so anyways, I'm sitting there to prepare, and I'm experiencing this great anxiety. And this guy walks up to me. And my first thought when he walks up to me is like, dude, I'm in intense anxiety. You know, back away. I'm trying to think about, am I going to be able to read these notes that I've prepared uh, for this sermon? And I go, no, that's not what God would do. That's not what he would instruct me to do. And so I just said, hey, come here. And we sat down and we began to talk because I could tell you know, that he wasn't going to pick up on the social norm that I was, you know, trying to prepare for something because he had some, some issues. And that's okay because I got some minor issues, so we're, we had something in common. But, uh, you know, he just begins to talk to me, and I just realize that, that God is showing me more and more that in my weakness, when I'm not ready, that's when he wants to do stuff through me, and that's when he wants to do stuff through you guys when we're least expecting it, when it's the most inconvenient time, that's when God wants to use us because then when we give that testimony, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there was nothing that I did, there was, but it was all His Spirit moving through me. All I had to do was be willing. And you know, at that funeral, um, I had a couple uncles and stuff that are, are really opening up uh, to the gospel. So um, even though that's a hard thing to do, I see where God is doing that. And one last one, I was at Scouts. And, you know, Cub Scouts, the fathers all still come and bring their kids. And a lot of mothers are coming too. But anyways, it's a long day. You know, now I'm getting up at 4.30 in the morning, which I know there's others of you, like my dad, that gets up maybe 3.30 or something like that. But, you know, there's people getting up way early in the morning. I had a long day at work back here at the church. I go to scouts, and, you know, I just want to josh around and do what I do with people. But this father comes over and starts talking to me. And um, I know that his wife has uh, really bad cancer. I know that he's been struggling with some things that his daughter has gotten into. But at Scouts, around all these guys, because I'm working hard at being available, he just starts to weep. He just starts to weep. And I didn't even say anything to him. All I did is said, hey, let's come over here and talk. And he just starts to weep. And I don't have anything else to add to the story. Like I just said, dude, it's okay. But it's the simple things And the little things that if we allow God to do these more and more and more often, that he will build, you know, uh, building blocks and stepping stones for people to come to know him. But we just need to be um, willing in all of this that that we're surrounded by. Because even if you don't have anxiety a lot, probably everyone here has experienced some type of anxiety, some type of stress, because... We are people that don't get enough rest. We, you know, we're just, we do so much, you know. Yeah, it's a long one. Okay. (laughs) We're always busting John that we want to go shorter, and here I go. So, um, okay. So, 
I want to share this with you because when I read this this week, this, um, I was trying to think of how do I say this, and I think this guy said it so well, and this was what I realized when I started to, to really get a hold of that I had anxiety. And so I'm going to let him say it, say it for me. Uh, four ways for us to deal with our anxiety by Eric Reed. He's a pastor. Um, he said, for the first year I had anxiety issues, only my wife knew about it. I was embarrassed, I felt weak, and I could not rationalize my anxiety away, and that drove me nuts. I knew there was no reason to feel panicky at a movie theater or a driving down the road. But it did not matter. It happened anyway. I thought I was going crazy. However, I finally started to vocalize my struggle with a few folks and immediately found relief. I realized that I was not alone. I also discovered that many, other, that many others deal with anxiety as well. And like I told you, about 20% of the adult population. You don't have to hide your struggle, friends. Find some people to talk to. For me, uh, the healing care groups were one of the places that I started to share with people more. Um, Steve uh, Hamrick over here, uh, right as I was really starting to deal with this stuff more, um, Steve kind of came along and we used to take walks on uh, rails to trails. And he was, you know, he had gone through this. He's, he's, he preached here and shared his story. But um, we began talking about this stuff and uh, I began to hear from someone else, you know, what it was like. And, you know, I've seen different people uh, go through it. And so it was learning to talk about to where, uh, you know, in the beginning, I was hidden about it because, you know, I was like, can I have anxiety and be uh, a pastor at a church? Can I have um, some of these things and, and uh, lead people, you know? But then I realized, you know what, I don't need to be embarrassed by that, and I began sharing with more people. Now, this is the first time I've maybe shared that with everyone, but I feel, and it is true, it's like, as I'm saying this, the anxiety that I even felt in the beginning of this talk, it's gone, you know? And it's because I'm just stepping out there and telling you about it, and we, that's what we've got to do. We can't hide. I mean, um, did I already read you guys? Yeah, yeah, that people hide anxiety for 10 years, that's the enemy keeping us in a closet. We've got to come out and tell people what we're going through, what we're wrestling with, what we're struggling with. And when we do that, we'll be able to, you know, be used by God all around our community to be missional. Um, this next one is kind of funny because I feel like I'm in the yo-yo part of this. But I... Uh, Labor to take care of your body. The longer I had anxiety, the more I started to discover my triggers. And I noticed that my stress rose from the way I was eating, the way I was sleeping, uh, what kind of foods I would eat, whether I was exercising or not. I started to learn when I would get these, uh, when my chest was tightening. And I wasn't having all the weakness. And I'm not telling people to be foolish. But I realized that, man, if I can go jog, because I don't run, okay? But if I, <laughs> I mean, I just don't. There's not, a, there's not a marathon in this guy, you know? I can go to the marathon gas station, get a Diet Coke, 
But I'm not running no marathon. I don't really... Maybe I could, because I don't, you know, all things are possible through Christ Jesus who strengthens us, right? But I don't want to do it, you know? It's just, it's just not in me. But uh, I would go jogging, and I realize that as I start jogging or doing these intervals, if I'm doing this, look, a heart attack ain't going to let me go running, right? And so there's things that God has given us the ability to move, to be physical, to breathe, to do these things. And so as I'm doing that, that releases endorphins that shows me that, hey, I'm okay. So exercise is important. Eating better is important. You know, I, uh, I lost 120 pounds. I found 55 of it back. But hey, I'm going to keep working on it. I do. I keep packing my lunch and trying to eat healthy. And then I, someone posted something this morning on Facebook that they, their diet, and it was like really good all through the day, and then it was like a large pizza and a Coke and uh, some other stuff, bonbons before bedtime, something crazy like that. I, I get guilty of that every once in a while, you know. Um, so we need to take care of our bodies. Three. Uh, one of the, and this is one of the benefits. Uh, it truly is that we need to seek rest and peace in Christ. One of the benefits of struggling with anxiety is the, the that I can't speak is the absolute dependence on Christ it fosters. Passages like Matthew 11's description of Jesus' invitation to come to Him with my burdens and find rest become bedrock. Isaiah 41:10 and Psalms 46 reminded me that He is with me and not to fear, but to trust upon His very present help in my time of need. 2 Corinthians 12.9 reminded me of, all the, of the all-sufficient grace of Jesus in my weakness. These passages did not make my anxiety magically disappear. Instead, they equipped me with the truth I needed to battle against it. In a, st- in a strange way, my worst moments of anxiety were some of my closest times with the Lord. The peace of Christ can indeed rule in our hearts. That's just what I've been living the last couple weeks, that when I'm like, oh, I'm trying to prepare, this is a holy thing that I need to be ready to do, and yet God brings this guy that just needed someone to talk to for a moment, you know, and, uh, you know, and then he releases peace to me, you know, I think we need to um, really see that it's in that struggle that in my weakness, he is strong. And uh, if we can humble ourselves and still let him use us, that uh, people will be reached. And then, because it's important, and we don't need to just say, oh, well, you know, it's a strength that God can use my anxiety. We still need to pray that God would redeem our anxiety and that God would take away our anxiety because he doesn't want us to have these things that are harmful to our body. One of the paradoxical realities of anxiety for me was seeing God use it to minister to others. I hate the feeling of anxiety and panic attacks brought me. However, God used this crippling feeling to open doors to minister to others. As I pastored my church and listened to people describe anxiety or depression, I could immediately empathize with them and share ways the Holy Spirit through the Word of God was helping me daily. If you struggle, if you struggle with anxiety, pray God would redeem it in your life. Pray God would use it to open doors of ministry to those in your congregation, to those who perhaps are lost or unchurched. 
Romans 8.28 is fulfilled every time our anxiety can be used for an opportunity to minister. Now, this letter is actually written to pastors that deal with anxiety. So this is so big in pastors that this is on a leadership website, you know, to pastors, but it applies to all of us. So I got just a few more things. Um, One of the things that I learned in my journey, and none of my kids are in here, and uh, none of, but I was worse at home than I was out with my stress and anxiety because when that stuff would come, it was easier to manage it when I'm outward because, you know, I know if I maybe went off on someone or did something out there, it's harder to repair. But at home, sometimes I would let my wife and kids see that worse. And I have to work on that. And because I, I uh, if anyone knows anything about me, uh, I like all my shoes in a row. I like my books in a row. And some, some of my family doesn't. And so I might come home after a long day and be like, why aren't my shoes straight? You know, and I know it sounds crazy, you know, but (laughs) I like my shoes straight, you know. And I really had to learn that, you know, my my wife maybe doesn't, and that's okay. I like my pencils straight. And I do have some of the same qualities as... um, As President Trump, I guess they were showing that thing where he always straightens things at the table. I always come in and do that, so that was kind of fun. Yeah. (laughs) I like to keep things neat. So I won't go into great details on that, but when you have stress, anxiety, and all that stuff, pay special attention to how it's being played out at home and make sure that you're taking that to God because it wasn't until I started to take that more to God that I had to realize, you know what? And I still do it every once in a while, but I'm a lot better about it, where I can't, I can't do that to my kids because that has lasting effects on them. You know, and I need to own that. And so I got a lot better with that. So how am I personally trying to deal with anxiety? I want to share with you something I've been wrestling with, and I describe it as bandwidth. And I think everyone here understands what bandwidth is. If you live in a neighborhood with a lot of people that have the Internet, you understand that there's certain times of the day that your Internet is just like, feels like it's closing down on you. And your kids start coming down and they go, I can't watch my videos and my video game isn't working correctly. And uh, why isn't this going through, right? Well, if not, you'll get there, you know, because, you know, it's just, it gets smaller and smaller when a lot of people are on it. My type of personality, especially in the beginning of being a pastor, is people would say to me, hey, Rick, I need help, or Rick, I'm in crisis, and my answer was always yes. And it didn't matter what I had going on with my family. I'd be like, oh, hey, Mel, you know, you understand, right? I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Someone asked and they need help. I got to go. I got to be there. I look on... uh, Facebook, and I go, oh my goodness, this is going on. I need to call that person. I need to get with that person. I need to help this person. I need to, to do that. And I realized that some of my anxiety and some of my anxiousness was that 
I didn't know how to say no. I didn't understand what is my bandwidth. What am I capable of really doing? What is God really asking of me? And so, uh, again, that scripture comes into play. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart, your mind, as you live in Christ Jesus. So for me, one of the things that I would think, if I say no, they're going to think that God isn't being good to them, or they're going to think that he's not giving me that right, the, the right attention. And I have to go back to this and say, you know what? No, I'm going to experience peace because I prayed, and I asked God what it, I needed, and I'm looking for direction, and I feel at peace that I can say, I'm sorry, I don't have the bandwidth to come and help you right now. You know, because I, I really wrestled with that for a long time, and I'm getting better at that to, to know, Rick, what is your bandwidth? And now that I'm being, uh, now that I'm doing bivocational, I really have to ask myself, this question more. What is my bandwidth? What can I handle? What can I do? What, uh, what ministry is most important? God, wife, kids, church, what, you know, what takes priority? And just know that trying to live missionally, um, how's it going to go? Um, so that's uh, the questions I'm asking. What can I handle? Who can I really reach? And I think I answer this question of what can I handle and who can I really reach by saying who's in my lane, who's in my realm. Because sometimes if I'm trying to, if I'm driving over here and I got to get over here to get in someone's lane, that that's really you know left me vulnerable over here, you know. And so I'm trying to to ask myself what lane do you want me in? Where do you want me flowing? You know, who are the people you want me meeting? Doesn't mean, you know, I mean, I'm, I love missions, so you might find me over there for a while, but my main purpose might be here, you know? Um, so we need to, I've, I've really been trying to ask myself, what can I handle? Who can I reach? What's my realm? And then a second thing, uh, or this will be a fourth thing, sorry, I can't count. Um, and this is, this is really me. I don't know if this is other people. But because of my personality having a hard time uh, saying no or like I start feeling for a lot of things, and it's okay for me to have those feelings, but I've got to get it under a better balance. I have to fight what does it mean to be informed and what does it mean to be over-informed. And I think one of the the worst things about social media, Twitter, Instagram, all of these things is that we are over-informed. We have, there's, I mean, we know way too much about everything going on around us that we're essentially useless because we're sitting at home saying that we're upset about that this guy didn't take a knee and this guy took two knees and this guy did this, and that guy did that, and there's this disaster here, and this disaster here, and this one, and this thing got overlooked, you know, and this thing got no attention, and this is getting all the attention, that 
we get sucked in, and before you know it, we know about 50 or 60 issues, but we have no bandwidth to do anything about it. We've got to be informed, but we've got to figure a better way to be informed, but then know what lane am I supposed to be in. Because I'm going to pray for Texas, I'm going to pray for Puerto Rico, I'm going to pray for the flooding in Asia and stuff like that. I'm going to pray for uh, different groups of people that are fighting against racism and different things like that. But some of that may not be in my lane. But that doesn't mean I don't have time to pray for them. But we've got to be in our lanes. And if we are in our lanes, I think we'll be way more effective instead of just being stressed out. Because I get... I have to admit, I get, I get stressed out by all, all this information. I wasn't built to hold this information, you know. I was, I'm a, I'm a doer, so I like when someone tells me, "Go do, go do," but I don't, I, I'm not like a visionary guy. I'm not like looking ahead to the next thing. When I get to that next thing, I'm there, and then I'm ready to work, you know. Uh, so we just need to, to learn to stay in our lane. So that's what I'm doing, to try and help myself. Uh, be more uh, informed. So let's just recap, and uh, we'll close uh, with this. Um, so again, how can we apply this to your life? And you might, you know, come up with, you can come up with your own verbiage for this, but I encourage you to ask God, what is your bandwidth? What can you handle? What are the lanes that you're supposed to be in? Because I believe that there's a lane that might have some stress, but you'll be effective in it. And there's a lane that's just going to be a total disaster for you. And you weren't meant to be there, probably. You know? But you, you were just getting yourself in too many uh, avenues. So ask God to help you. Ask God to help us focus on what and who's around us. You know? We still need to care for the world. I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't care for the nations because we are all God's people, no matter what nation we came from. We, we, we first, our, my first citizenship is I'm a Christian, and then I'm an American. And as a Christian, that means that people from all over the world share that same thing with me. Um, share your struggle. When you start sharing your struggle you'll be a more empathic listener and you'll be able to uh, allow people to know that someone else is going through something. And this isn't an empathic listening talk, but when I say share your struggle, that doesn't always mean when you listen that you also need to share, because sometimes the best thing you can do is just listen. Uh, Take care of your health and seek rest and peace in God. And if anyone knows me, this is crazy, but I go to bed at 9.30 now because I, well, it is because I got to get up at 5.30, but I, I mean at 4.30, but I used to always be five hours of sleep is enough, you know, but now that I'm driving kids, I don't want to be that guy <laughs> that's out there driving on five hours of sleep, so I'm trying to be responsible, and I get, you know, what is that? One, two, no, okay. I always do that. <laughs> Anyone else here a finger counter? But, uh, yeah. But, uh, so anyways, get your rest. Because 
not only can we find peace in God, but God gave us rest so that our bodies would heal, so that our minds would shut down and relax. And then continue to ask God to redeem our anxiety and replace it with prayer. Go ahead and stand. And then after this, John is going to lead us in a little bit of a prayer. Um, So I just want to close with this, and this is something I I wrote down uh, yesterday. So Lord, I just pray that this talk would just just help us to understand how we need to uh, look to you and how that no matter what we're going through, God, that you can use us and that uh, we can be uh, used by you to reach those people around us. And this is something that I'm trying to uh, live by. And so it says this, remember this, the resolution we seek or want for our anxiousness, anxiety, fear, stress, and the issues all around us can only be found in relationship with God. And in relationship, we will find the relief we so desire and, I'm, and I might add that I normally find that more relief comes when I quit looking inward, focus upward to God, and see outward to those that need his love.